0: The views and opinions expressed are those of the hosts, our callers, and guests, and do not necessarily represent those of the society its management, or our advertisers. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode.
1: Welcome to Sam Sense, the show that dives deep into the fascinating world of management. I'm one of your hosts, Allie, and I'm thrilled to have you join us on this journey of exploration and discovery. In each episode, we'll unravel complexities, share thought-provoking insights, and engage in captivating conversations with experts and enthusiasts in the management realm. This podcast is designed to both educate and entertain. Joined with me today are my co-hosts, Patrick, Hank, and Wesley, as well as reintroducing Chris. Welcome to our podcast.
2: We are so glad that you're back. I have to say, um, of all the episodes that we've done so far, the one episode that we've gotten the most feedback on was Management Horror Story.
1: Don, don, don. <laughs> as Wesley breaks
2: his microphone... Are you okay, Wesley? That depends. Do you have a lot of time to discuss whether or not I'm okay? <laughs> uh, well, I don't know. There might be some – apparently the people were – there are some people out there who volunteered to go work for you, Chris, and uh, check boxes for snakes.
0: Right? I feel like, I feel like all of your, um, your listeners are like, this – guy has the worst luck in the entire world because, like, we're back again. And so, uh,
2: you know,
0: <laughs> he's got the worst horror stories ever.
2: But, yeah. No, I think everyone just basically, when we have these episodes, just basically says, better him than me. Yeah. I
0: think,
3: I think, yeah. I think, <laughs> but are they the worst or are they the best? I mean, I think that's a healthy debate to have. I mean,
0: it is. They're good stories to have. Yeah. And they're fun to tell at parties. After- yeah, for yeah. sure. For but sure.
1: in the moment... Not the best. Not so much. Yeah. Not so much. I think we can all,
2: all agree on that. That's for sure. So, um, Chris, uh, do you mind just doing a 30-second reintroduction of, of uh, just your what, what type of work that you do?
0: Yeah, I'm in the um, logistics management field, 25 uh, years or so uh, experience. You know, I've worked for several different companies, and um, yeah, currently um, uh, been a, a distribution center manager, GM, operations manager, several different positions in logistics management.
2: Awesome, awesome. So again, if you if you did not catch uh, Chris's first episode, uh, make sure you go back in the feed and find it because um, again, and like people like again most commented episodes so thank you uh, again so um what we do in these episodes is we we have basically chris tell a story and then we often at times try to come up with a solution for him the last one we had no solutions no solution <laughs> I, I, I i i have to say um having a bear walk into your office um yeah you know they don't teach you that at harvard business school
1: no they don't
2: no for sure. So, so Chris, the floor is yours for um, a new management horror story. Round two.
0: Round two. So, I'll I'll, uh, I'll throw some more out that are more. Um, you know, we can maybe workshop and and uh, brainstorm on how to how to do better or, you know, how to help me get out of it. <laughs> so,
1: um, for the next time, a bear might. Waltz into your facility. For
0: sure, for sure. Well, now I'll just keep a shotgun in my desk. No, no, absolutely not. It seems
3: like a general good idea to begin with. Well, it is Florida. (laughs) Yeah, it is Florida. That's that's, true. Yeah. It's
0: true. Um, Okay, so uh, working at a a facility um, where – so we had, a um, you know, uh, 150-plus employees, you know, turning out – Moving uh, uh, logistics, product comes in, product comes out, you know, just just uh, not complicated, but shipping in, shipping out. So, um, you know, we have uh, uh, day shipping, night shipping. The facility works on uh, two shifts about um, about 16 normal hours a day but you know with with uh, the demand and all that kind of stuff both shifts are working a lot of overtime anyway bottom line so we start uh we have a a couple of um we have an, an injury and um you know that individual uh eventually gets put on uh fmla um you know um they call it intermittent FMLA, so it's a it's a it's a long term thing that 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 employee's dealing with and um, has doctors' appointments. Sometimes just not feeling well, so you know you call in, you report the FMLA time, and you get so much time. Well, um, that actually translates into kind of an FMLA pandemic. The other employees see what's happening. You know, they're like, "Oh, well, I can just you know." Get my job safe. I can whatever. So the at at the peak of it, we had uh, probably eight to 10 regularly hour employees out on FMLA for various reasons. No one saw the injury. No one saw uh, what happened. We did the investigations, but you can't say that it's bogus. Um, especially when they go and, you know, there's, there's, um, doctor's notes and that kind of stuff. Um, and it didn't stay to the hourly associates. You know, we had, a, a supervisor go out, uh, on FMLA and, and taking several times off it, it, it when it came down to it, we were short, probably a total of two, uh, two to three supervisors, our front, um, our front front of house, uh, clerical person who did a lot of, uh, clerical work and eight operators and you cannot replace them. You're still paying their salaries. And then, you know, we've got to bring in either temporary workers or hire more associates to then lay them off when those people come back because you can't get rid of them. Um, and we can't fulfill, uh, you know, the, the, the training time for those specific jobs, um, Take uh it's it's very specific and very hard. So you're looking at a minimum of a month to have a bad employee, um, and probably three to six months to have someone who is like, okay, we're we're getting there and we're getting good. So um, you know, it was a real hard situation because it it just it just spread like wildfire. Uh I'm not saying that. Th- I guess in a way I'm saying that that's not legitimate, but, you know.
2: No, I, I, I think, I mean, statistically, to have 12 people out on FMLA all at the same time is probably a statistical abnormality for sh- for sure. But, um,
1: But again, FMLA is not paid in most states. It's coincides with like short-term disability and maybe long-term disability, but it's not required to be paid. It's just job security. Mm -hmm. So it's very interesting to see that they'd want to be out if they didn't have to be out.
2: And out of curiosity, this occurred during the summer or like a, like a like a nice time to be on vacation.
0: Uh, I would say it is, it would, it
2: occurred over,
0: um, probably a year and a half total. Okay. So,
1: and did it coincide with like workers comp as well? I'm assuming
0: some, yeah, some okay. of them did. Some of them, uh, um, um, some of the employees were, were long term, So they yeah. had a lot of time built up. Um,
2: yeah, that, but, but that,
0: that, that's yeah. weird. If it's mm-hmm. a long timer goes yeah. out. The problem is, is that, that what really gets down to it and what gets to it, you know, FMLA is great. It protects your job and that kind of stuff, but we have to hold your job, mm-hmm. uh, We also have metrics we have to meet, you know, and so uh, a temp agency is going to charge you um, 30 percent on top of the employee's pay. So you're paying 30 percent on top of that employee, but you also don't want to bring in uh, an associate and hire them on knowing that you're going to lay them off, uh, you know, six months from now. So uh, the, it's, it's great for that employee, but when you have several and you've got to get, get, get people in, it's a, it's a, it's a challenge. It throws all of your metrics off and, and, you know, you're actually carrying, you know, twice the employees you should. Um,
3: it, mm.
2: Well, I'm, I'm just thinking from my manager ma- management experience. And again, so, These ideas that are coming, you know, obviously we don't know the company. We don't know the details. We don't know the environment. Like there's all different things that do this. But in in general, I I would start to take a look at and see if people might be interested in doing like a – For like
1: paid internship, well, well,
2: yeah, well, that's the salary employee issue, but to maybe curb the FMLA abuse, if Mm -hmm. there was FMLA abuse here, and we're not saying there was for sure, but you know, again, it's a statistical abnormality. Um, I would look at potentially maybe making shifting the workflow to maybe a four, four day week, four, 10 hour day week, Mm -hmm. give people an extra day off, maybe maybe that little bit of extra time and that little bit of extra stress maybe people did, were just using that as like i need a i need some some time mm-hmm. i don't want to use my vacation time or i've already used it or i've already burned it up or whatever um i'm just i maybe just switching the workflow mm-hmm. but in an operation like yours i'm assuming with that much big that would have been like too talent to actually implement in yeah,
0: this in this specific instance um in this particular logistics field it was a third-party logistics company and we work for a specific customer oh. the customer doesn't allow that and All right. the customer also sets the expectations and this is what we'll pay for so anything that you go over that you're actually writing them a check back
1: uh-huh. um so
0: you know it's a uh, you know So you're, like, really managing
2: to the number.
3: Oh, absolutely, 100%. 100%. And and maybe, you know, some some of what you're seeing here was actually – other areas, other deficiencies elsewhere, playing through. You know, I think we always go back to the human element of it, but there's, you know, certainly could be cultural, environmental issues playing into it as well. So it's just interesting things that I'm thinking about. I know we always tend to go straight to the human element, but but perhaps there was something else there that, um, you know, was happening in the moment we can't see from from this perspective here now. So yeah, and and I guess to say that like
0: it's all is all bogus is, is not, um, right. Or even allude to that. You know, some of those some of those people. Mm -hmm. are, uh, were, were, were some of the hardest working employees I ever worked with, but you know, they had, um, cancer or, or some really serious things that they were dealing with. So I'm not even saying that all of it was, but you know, those ones where, you know, um, Oh i tripped and I tripped over that ladder that was seven feet away that was nowhere near me, and nobody saw it uh The camera wasn't working at that time, and you know the only area where the camera wasn't working and I, I don't know they they're just it, it just seemed like it was a uh, it was a it was a growing epidemic and maybe it was all legit either way it, let's just say they were all legit it's still a problem, and how do you manage and meet you know the the contract that you have signed with this customer, mm-hmm. and and manage to their expectations, and then still have a workforce to get all of that product out and in, and then when you have all these new people, you know you have a a dam even a damage level you have to you know the 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 machinery we use is is um there well I guess I can say this um uh, clamps forklift clamps you know you clamp the product and if you over clamp or under clamp. You are going to damage that product uh, very very easily you know it's a, it's a it's a super skilled job and um, you you just can 't teach it quickly and you are you know by design when you bring a new person in you 're probably going to spend eight to ten thousand dollars just for product that they 're damaging from the get go to training wow. so so just trying to um, meet all of those customer expectations um and and keep the plant moving and you know doing all the things that you are under contract to do is just um
3: yeah, it's tough mm-hmm. it is tough it's a lot of what being a manager is about though which is is interesting and, and certainly insight we want to share you okay, know with others yeah from so- the
1: video perspective i mean as a manager you should probably Make sure everything's up to date and everything is visible. Make sure you have mm-hmm. the most up to date. It may be more expensive, but in the long run, it will be a better payout than having to hold these job securities for possible false FMLA claims or workers comp per se.
3: And you're referring to the uh, surveillance. surveillance. Yeah. Surveillance. footage. Yeah. They it's it's
1: happened to fall in a spot that was a blind spot. It's also a,
0: a tricky area in that that 3PL area. Mm-hmm. Um, because the and typically in the three PL, at least the several that I work for, um, the customer owns the building. The mm. customer owns the technology, it's their computers and those kind of things. And in that particular case, we actually had requested several times to get that that particular uh video unit back up and running. Um, um you know in, in, in actually in that case there was there was a uh, you know we had we had gone through uh, there was a heat wave um, mm-hmm. and the pipe burst in the wall it flooded the entire office we didn't have bathrooms for weeks and uh, they wouldn't bring in porta potties um, um, because they self-insured the building
3: mm-hmm. so uh, yep.
0: you know because it's this we're talking a multi you know billion dollar company Um but, uh, you know, you're not always the, the highest priority on their list and you got to keep the customer happy because you don't want to lose the contract, especially when it is as much money as that contract was making for the 3PL. Um, it, it, just negotiating and all of that kind of stuff and building those relationships and having a good relationship where you can say, hey, you're not really helping me out here is um, – it's a, the, the 3P world is a 3PL world is there. You know what? There should be a, a TV show on it. Really? Um, like really? a reality TV <laughs> yes. show. of all the yes. stuff that goes on, that kind of
2: stuff. Yeah. I just want to see the reality TV show where a bear walks through the warehouse.
1: <laughs> <laughs> there is probably plenty of videos somewhere on YouTube where bears just walk into facilities during the summer when those gates are wide open, you'd probably be shocked with the results you find.
3: <laughs> probably, probably. Wow. wow. Well, I have okay. to tell you, I think you, you've pretty much, uh, at least for me, I mean, this is a tough, tough circumstance. I you know, I don't know how I would have responded.
1: I think the biggest thing is just educate your employees to yeah. say, OK, this is what should be falling under this. These, This is what could happen if we figure out there is some sort of false claim. Make sure they're educated on the process what actually qualifies and what would happen to them if it does come back that it was a false claim because then legal actions will be then taken and it won't look good for them so I feel like the more education that's going out to the employees for false accusations and what could happen to them would defer them from maybe submitting a false mm-hmm. claim in the first place.
2: Yeah, it's like the same thing. The when, scare tactic. <laughs> or, yeah, but it's like the same thing when when people go to the emergency room when they can go to the doctors. It mm-hmm. raises the healthcare costs for everybody Absolutely. associated mm-hmm. to, uh, associated to it. So well, we're going to slide on uh, to our next. Management horror story. Dun, dun dun dun. I want a piano to make <laughs> we need a, one. dun dun dun. Yeah. Hey hey hey.
1: hey <laughs> like,
2: like let's pretend let's we're a real it. professional podcast. <laughs> I'll do it, and then you guys both go dun dun da together. Okay. All okay. right. Okay. Let's see if we can do this and like sound really cool, like we're a real good podcast. All right. All right. Management horror stories. Dun 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 dun. 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 All right. I like it. <laughs> we were <off>. all. <laughs> we <were off. laughs> You need it, to, it was too much before. Great.
0: You need to get you need to get Patrick to spring for some uh, sound effects. I know. Uh, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. Our
2: executive yeah. producer, those
0: boards like they have on the radio. Yeah, yeah.
3: Oh, that. now we're oh, getting man. real fancy out
0: of
2: our budget over here. Well, well welcome <laughs> to the morning zoo. Right, right. But yeah, our, our, our executive producer is clearly slacking. He's not even participating in these discussions this episode. <laughs>
3: well, so far we've had enough discussions about animals. I think we have to get the animal soundtrack to. to oh yeah. Yeah, for sure like we need every one baby. of them so chris go ahead and
2: see our management horror management okay. horror story uh, dun, 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 dun. Uh, number
0: two <laughs> got a good one so um, you know this will be a good one for you guys to workshop maybe uh we can come up with some ideas of what i should have done differently so working for uh, another company uh, 3pl it was a startup um and for that company we had the the most successful startup they um, had ever had. In fact, they liked what we were doing so much, and and the company that I was working for had a uh, a management system. Um, they they just loved everything we did. Um, they came into the facility, and and the customer took the stuff that we were doing and actually started implementing it in their own warehouses. They were very very happy. Um, they had me traveling to several other uh, operations that were opening for that customer, um, had a great relationship, spent a year, year and a half building that relationship with the customer. They were not happy with our, um, with our director and the VP that was running it, but they were happy with what we were doing. And so, um, fast forward about a year, year and a half, we've been open, you know, everything was going great. And, um, um, the, the GM at the facility I was working at, uh, got promoted and moved on and I had been groomed to take that spot. I had covered for several other GMs in the network, you know, when they'd go on vacation, I had helped set up their facilities and I built a really good rapport with the customer and had a good reputation for them. Well, we had, um, a, just just weird timing right at that time uh the customer decided they no longer uh they essentially fired our director and brought in a brand new fresh uh director she had been with our company just um uh, a matter of months they didn't post the job um uh which we can talk about you know the 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 policy for that company was we always have to post a job. We have to have it up for several weeks. We have to do interviews and that kind of stuff at my level, uh, at the levels below all through, we always have to do that. Well, they didn't post the job. It upset several, you know, GMs. Actually, that's the reason my GM left. Um, she, she found another job and just, uh, they found another job and moved on. um, um, but they didn't really follow the protocol. Uh, The director that they had fired, I was, I was, uh, I had a really good relationship with. They had been grooming me for that position, and um, so that person came in, and uh, another. facility we had in a different vertical, um, had closed the contract had ended. They did not renew it. And they had a GM who was basically working as a second shift supervisor at another facility. Uh, the, that person was, um, was, we'll say, uh, up there in age, um, was probably a year, year and a half away from retirement. Um, so again, rather than posting that job, the, the VP and that new director chose to put that person in in the GM position, not promote from within, not post the job, not allow anyone to try for it. Um, and so that person came down and started. I, however, was, um, I had to train that person. Um, and th- the, the biggest challenge was I was already frustrated cause you know, I wanted to move up and I had worked very hard to do that, but it wasn't, um, an elderly gentleman who had a lot of trouble grasping basic concepts with the system, with, with, uh, the different things that we had to do and ultimately, uh, was there for, for, you know, I, I trying to train them and, and I just, I couldn't get through, I couldn't, um, really show them how, or get, get it, get it through to the, the person, um, how the systems worked. And eventually I had to, you know, I had several conversations with the, you know, the director who uh, made the decision to prune over me. And, you know, they thought I was kind of just being um, resistant or not giving it my all because they put this person there. So I convinced them to bring another GM down to have them work with them. And, Um, that person had even less success than I did eventually. And oddly enough, right at that same time, the customer then fired our VP. Um, and so we had a new VP coming in and it just got, it just got so much, um, you know, and I was going to be stuck in that position at least another year and year and a half. I couldn't train this guy. I was still doing the GM position because he couldn't get the, he couldn't get the processes. Um, I actually started looking and found uh, another position at another at another facility that I moved on to. Um, funny enough, uh, after I moved on, like two or three weeks, that gentleman resigned and left because he couldn't get it. And they, you know, they didn't – I was still with the same company. I just moved to a different vertical and different, different whatever. Uh, they didn't call – Uh, asked me back, asked me if I was interested or whatever. They just hired another GM right up behind me, um, you know, without so much as a, hey, are you interested or any of that kind of stuff? So I'm not really sure. I've actually looked back at this situation several times. I don't know what I could have done. Um, differently, I was very polite to the gentleman. I actually still talk to him. I call him up for advice sometimes because he had a he had a ton of experience in the industry. He just couldn't get and grasp the the system was kind of complicated. It was built by or the customer paid to have it built, and it was built specifically for that industry and that. So it's not like a it's not like a um, you know an AS four hundred or you know any of those any of the industry standards or a tier two or tier one operating system. Um, So to this day, I don't know. Like I'm, you know, I I talked to the, 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 the management team and I was like, okay, just let me interview to where I can at least get my name out there. Just wouldn't do it. Um,
2: So it it sounds to me. Yeah. It sounds to me. It's almost like the classic pigeonholing. We know what you are, Chris. This is what you are. And it, it, it doesn't matter. And a lot of times, like I, I saw this all the time when I worked. Again, I worked for a multi-billion-dollar financial institution. You're this guy or you're this woman. That's what you are. It's like, yeah, you can do the job above you, but you do your job so well. That
1: we don't we, want to. We, we,
2: we don't want to promote you because if we want to promote you, then we're going to have more problems, you know, Um and, and a lot of times, I've, I mean, in that situation, what, like, like, what you did sometimes, you know, in the banking world, sometimes mm-hmm. we have to say, you have to leave to get promoted mm-hmm. and everyone's like, well, what do you mean? It's like, you got to go to a different bank in a different role and then get hired back in a higher role. That's how you would get promoted. Like it was just a really weird dynamic and you were dealt a really bad hand, you Agreed. know, for sure. Um, but what, if you bend pigeonhole. pigeonholed. And you know you've you've had your discussions, you've done your outreach, you've gone up the chain of command,
3: and you can't get anywhere. You got to go. Agreed. I, I definitely think you did exactly what what you should have.
1: I think just starting from the beginning, I always say, even in the hiring process, when you're not even at the job, to. Let the company know your ambitions. Like, hey, I'm here for X, Y, and Z role. I'm always eager to learn. I would love to climb up the ladder here. Like, ask questions. How far can you go until there's a point you can't be promoted? And one of my main things that I always do, no matter what job I'm at, is I always document my successes. Hmm. Always have that. Any client feedbacks or any, like, kudos you get from an employee or client, whoever, always have those documented so you have the proof. Like, I can do my job. I can do this role, so on and so forth. I say that for even just negotiating annual salaries or if there's any increases each year. Come to the table with evidence of what you do. And but sometimes, again, as Hank says, there's no yeah. help. <laughs> so, it's kind of that age
0: old thing like, you know, you sit back and think what could I have done to break through? But like, I don't know. I kind of equate it, maybe it's maybe it's not, maybe it's not the right thing to say, but like I kind of equate it to to women in the workforce, you know, mm-hmm. you've just been trying to break that ceiling for forever and sitting back and figure out what you could have done or how you take it to, you know, upper management because at the end of the day, you know, in that particular instance, you know, and that company at that time was one of those good old boy networks and, yep. you know, um, how do you become one of the good old boys or how do you break the system and and, you know, turn it into something else? I, I just what do you do? And I, I guess mm-hmm. at the time you throw your hands up and like, okay, well, I'll just move on to something else. But at some point somebody's got to figure out how to break through and get in there. Like
2: mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and, and unfortunately a lot of times when when you're in that, you end up with these moral and ethical dilemmas, right? Because, okay, you know, I want to join that club. I want to be, you know, in that room making those decisions, you know, but I don't want to work 70 hours a week. I don't want to go to the meetings after the meetings at the bar. Um, it's just not my vibe. And, and, it, and, it, and it's tough. I mean, it's tough. I mean, I think it's more tough for the for the the generation that's kind of starting into work now mm-hmm. um, because we have so um, the mentorship and all of that stuff is kind of started to fade away, Absolutely. like really effective mentorship, mm-hmm. mentorship. Come along with me. Not this is what you need to do because you don't need that's not mentorship. That's you know, advice giving and garbage. Mentorship is come along with me. Let me show you the way. Let me teach you. This is important. This is what you need to focus on. Don't worry about this noise. That's really good, effective mentorship, um, in my opinion. Um, I know I might be in the minority on on that opinion, but uh, I think that's really what it comes down to. And I I get nervous. We don't, you know, in in your regular management program – you know, we talk about corporate culture and we talk about some of these these topics, but we don't get into this, you know, you know, like pigeonholing. I've never lectured in a class on pigeonholing. I know it exists. I know it's a thing. I you know, when you know, we don't teach in management classes. When is
3: it time to leave your company?
1: No, it's not
3: It's true. You know, one of the things that I, well, I think what you were referring to, I, I've heard it I think described as an internal advocate or, you know, basically someone inside the company who's going to help you kind of find your way, right? And it was specifically through this story, I hear a multitude of issues, one of which being some culture issues there around the company, right? They they had their policy in place. Everybody else is expected to follow policy, but but they didn't follow their policy, right? And, and so – you start to lose that trust, right? Because there has to be a relationship there built on trust, and as that starts to unravel, uh, it's very difficult to stay in one place. So I can absolutely understand why you why you chose to leave. Um, from a technology standpoint, as somebody who's worked in a you know. Tech, basically, my entire career, and and now, uh, you know, is, is is a huge advocate for technology and technology change. Uh, I, I definitely resonate with the experience that this employee went through of, of the challenge, and I've seen it firsthand. The challenges with technology growth and, and new systems and how you interface with those. So it doesn't come as any bit of a surprise um, to me to see that, you know, that that, that happened. I, I am slightly surprised to see that the employee left uh, so shortly after you did. Uh, but it, very interesting. Uh, but again, when you talk about how the company didn't reach out to you after you left, uh, that to me really goes back to it's, some deep cultural issues. I'll
0: tell you one of the things, um, you know, cause I've, I'm, you know, mentoring several people in the job I've been at now. And, and I have a lot of, um, um, new people coming in and, and it's funny. Um, I almost feel nowadays in the culture that we have, you've got all of these crazy management challenges, but really you, you've got to have that strong skill set. But I really feel like People coming into the industry today, or uh, the most successful, um, you really need to be a politician. Um, You've got to be able to, you know, kiss the baby and then turn around and stab somebody in the back at the same time in order to to get where you need to be or where you want to go. If you want to grow up and you want to get into that boys club or whatever you want to call it, that upper echelon, you've really got to be able to have that political, you know, that, that manager, the the director that came in, that's only been with the company a couple of months. That person was amazing. Like she was a political, like could have gone, could have run for Congress, um, had a, several uh, new faces in that company and all of them had that game. It's just something I have struggled with my entire career. I'm just not a politician. I'm very, let's get the issue out there. Let's be honest with it. Let's attack it and figure out what to do with it and move on. Not a lot of, I just think the the, the industry is changing so much in the future. You're going to have to be a really strong manager, but you're also going to have to be very political.
2: It's especially, yeah, like I, I just think back to my early banking days and one of the things was when you were all at this level and a job opened up at this level, sometimes it was not making yourself like I'm the great candidate. It was undercutting the other four. Right. You know, and that's just such an unhealthy um, dynamic. But sometimes when – and but where where's that culture really exist, right? It exists in big, giant companies where they're not going to fail. You, you know, you don't see this at small mom, mom and pops or, you know, entrepreneurial ventures because people don't have time for politics. Right? In an entrepreneurial venture, it's like we got to hit we we got to make sure we got payroll on Friday, folks. Like that that that's the focus, sure. not on the politics. But when you got a 32 billion dollar, 40 billion dollar whatever company, you're not going to, you know, you're not worrying about making paywall Friday. So then people start playing games and there's nothing more frustrating to me um, when I was in that level of management that the games people play, you know, like kind of even going back to our first story with the FMLA and, you know, all of this stuff, it's there's a certain web Work ethic and a certain ethos, and and it's not like well, my generation was like had such a healthy work ethic, and these kids don't have work ethic. No, the kids to you know the, the young generation today is willing pro- with the technology, with with the education that they have, and everything that they have, they can outproduce what any of us could have done back in the day. Just just straight out of school, you can out outproduce it. Speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, the, you could do the. They can do so much work, and they can do so much. And then they go into these companies, and then they realize, like, everything I learned in school, no one told me. I have to go to the meeting after the meeting to make a yeah. decision. No one told me these things, and it's and it's and it's a fault on our education system that we're not training managers effectively.
1: But the sad thing about that is. The managers may say, oh, no, like it's not required, like because a lot of people, they're like, Okay, I have other obligations. I have a family. I end at five, which I don't blame you. Like I right now, I I'm guilty. I work till six, seven o'clock at night. I go out. I do the whole shebang. But then there are the people are, oh, don't it's fine. You don't need to come out. Enjoy your night. But then the next day when everyone's coming in and they're talking about that night, you feel out of place Mm -hmm. and it's not fair.
2: It's really not. One of the things that one of the interesting things that I did when I came into my new role as department chair, I ended social outings
1: Mm
2: -hmm. Uh, because, you know what, we 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 see each other at work. We don't have to go to a We don't have to have a Christmas party. The Mm -hmm. college has a Christmas party. Just go. But like. No, because it, you're right. It does create like, oh, I can make this one. I can't make that one. I got this. And it, it and it's basically it's a show of favoritism. Yep. I mean, it can be favoritism, too. It's like, OK, Allie, you're invited, but Wes is not. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and well, it's outside of work and it's optional. Do you know how many things that were told to me in my early career that were? optional Mm -hmm. and hey we're let's just
1: preface there were air quotes (laughs) yeah
2: yeah yeah yeah. air quotes don't translate on podcasts but are optional like oh yeah you like you don't have to do this uh community service project it's optional it's like yeah but but you know what who got promoted oh it was all the people who were at this event or did this thing oh you don't have to um you don't have to be a part of this committee you know that's meeting after hours, you know, but oh wow, look, all these members on the committee are now in different jobs and in different roles right um, it's, and it's it's a really garbage game sometimes mm-hmm. that the that, that these large organizations play, and it it comes down to a lot of people just need to take the time to figure out what they want, yep. Mm-hmm. You know, the game doesn't change. Game hasn't changed as I've seen for like, you know, I've been I've been in management now for 30 years. I don't see much difference now and 30 years ago. The terms may change what what goes on may change, but that office politic garbage
3: still persists. And I have no explanation why. Agreed. Yeah. And, and some are very out in the open about it, too. I mean, you know, you'll hear the office talk. Oh, well, so-and-so's watching. Like, you're seeing who shows up and who doesn't. And and that seems to be driving some of the decision-making. So it's absolutely happening. And, you know, going back to a point that you made earlier, uh, and you talk about the failures of the education system. You know, we're, we're pumping out managers out of these, you know, programs and we're sending them out into the workforce. And as particularly – and I speak to younger managers who, who haven't necessarily had an exposure outside of you know maybe like that high school or college job, like the post college job, like the actual like you you know you know what I'm talking about. Like it, it's not a temporary position; it is a full fledged career uh, type position. Um, they're really becoming, I think, exposed for the first time to some of the realities of, of corporate America, right? Where you go in with all these great ambitions and all these great aspirations, and then you slowly become deflated, right? With the reality that of all these folks who, who maybe aren't uh, as, as, high achieving or uh, don't have the same aspirations or or resistant to change and things of that nature. And so it's very interesting to see that evolution. And and I don't know how you teach that in a business school perspective, but uh, it's certainly there. And and I think it is leading to burnout. I think it's leading to frustrations and people leaving what are really otherwise probably very good careers and very good companies. Um, There's just there's certain expectations that aren't being met and, and the culture just isn't there. It's very interesting.
2: And and, and, then, and we wonder why there's labor shortages now, right? After COVID. Mm-hmm. Like, if you think about it for the first time in probably in my life, definitely my lifetime, the employees have the power. Yes. Right. The employees have the power um, because, you know, uh, and I think what's happening with this generation um, of new managers, too, is they're getting fed a bunch of mistruths on Social media and through the news and like they see an article and it's like, well, that that is such an exception to the rule. And but they think it's reality. Um, Like there's some critical thinking elements that used to be taught much more effectively that that I didn't. I think covid's playing a factor um, as well. I mean, well, what do you mean I need to talk to someone in the office? I just I just went through my two years of grad school and didn't see a I. Would I I've, don't even know what my classmates look like because they've never even turned on their camera,
1: mm-hmm.
2: right? And now we're, in a, now we're in a world where interpersonal relationships and dynamics rule the day. Absolutely. A healthy corporate – show me a company that's got healthy corporate culture and I will show you a profitable company and I will show you a company that will be around for the long haul. Exactly. OK, you show me a company that's got a garbage corporate culture, you'll see turnover, you will see turmoil. And they will. They still depending on their size, they'll still, you know, I mean, the first billion's the hardest billion. <laughs> right. True. In any business. True. And and that thing's just going to keep chugging along, mm-hmm. chugging along. You know, what's weird is this,
0: uh, it's interesting. I just like now that we're sitting here and talking about all of this, it kind of it's kind of coming full circle. So I have a uh, this was very recently. I have a, a director um, who is, is younger than me. Um, and my, I, kind of in the same position, actually my GM has left. I have uh, applied for the GM position and I was interviewing with the director, you know, this new young director who's, who's not been with the company very long. And, um, we were talking and he's like, okay, he's like, well, you know, we're going to go ahead and move you on, but here's what I want you to understand. And this is a, a young, you know, gentleman. And, He says to me, he goes, right now, you're the city commissioner. He's like, you need to build up your base, talking about my employees, to where they love you so they will make you mayor. You want to be mayor? You need to build it up with your employees. And once you get mayor, you want to become the president? You got to start, you know, greasing the people you were. Like, he put it in this whole political Mm -hmm. sense. Not not what I've achieved, not what my merits are, not what I've done at the facility, not what I've done with the company. You know, get your people, get your base. You know, they're gonna be what makes you the mayor and just related it to this whole political system and it's it's funny because I always kind of thought that was like an old school type of thinking, but it's like these, you know, these newer managers and new people that are coming into it and moving up very quickly who play that political game much better than I do, you know, are kind of learning that old school philosophy instead of oh, it's merit-based or it's, you know, you've really earned your way or you've done all of these things. So just having this conversation, it kind of brought that full circle in my head. And I'm like, this isn't going away. This is like, you're right. In 30 years, the the game hasn't changed. It's not going to change. Um, You've got to change and play the game. It's kind of funny, actually. I didn't put that together until we were having this
1: actually have a little bit of a different experience. I personally, in my personal endeavors with the corporate world is the younger generation managers. I'm not saying right out of college managers. I'm saying thirties to forties. I've had, they have, they know boundaries. They stick up for their employees. At least I love my manager. Now she sticks up for all of us, excuse me, all of us, but where, The older managers, maybe fifties, sixties, they're stuck in their way. So recently I reached out to my manager because I started teaching at night and I was having one coworker who was setting times after five for meetings. And although I was quote tentative and not required to make it, I went to her and said, Hey, like, I feel really uncomfortable. Like I want to be on these meetings. So I know what's going on with my clients But I physically can't make it. Like I have other priorities past five on X, let's say it was Tuesday, Thursdays or whatever it was. So she says, I totally understand that's so out of like our culture, like that shouldn't be happening. But again, it kept happening because this certain person was over a certain age and that's just how they worked their entire career. It's nothing against them, but it's just how they grew up in their career. But me personally, I've seen the younger generation managers be more willing to help out their employees and hire internally and get you to where you want to be. They listen more. That's just my personal opinion. Everyone has their own experiences, but I've seen more come out of the younger generation managers, which is a good sign in my opinion, than the older generation. And
2: and I, it's always been that way, right? Like Um, I, I just think of this corporate training program that we used to have at in the in the financial world. And it was like this 12 week kind of boot camp garbage, you know, and it was just like and they were forcing everybody to go through this program. And it was just like, well, this program has absolutely zero benefit. Like, why are we doing well, because I did it. And the person before you did it, and the person before you did it. That's why you're doing it. It's like the, it's like the meeting dilemma, right? Why are we having meeting? Why do we have Tuesday? Why are we having a meeting Tuesday morning? Well, because it's the Tuesday morning meeting. Well, we got nothing to talk about. Well, oh, yeah, we're still meeting on Tuesday morning. Yeah. Right. Like, it's just it's it, there's a certain level of insanity there. But I, I see that time on the wall. I see that time on the wall from um, our executive producer, who's probably going to need to chop, chop this into two separate episodes um, because uh, it was such a great discussion. I think I think, Chris, we're going to have to have you back because you st- uh, like like your content Podcast
1: number three. <laughs> yeah,
2: your, your content gold, man. You're,
3: you're going to keep us going. I mean, you know.
0: A lot of things going on out there.
3: <laughs> um, well, uh, so, I hear him not saying no, so that's a good thing. Yes, yes,
2: I think I think well, uh, well, I think we should just drag him back for just a general basic management discussion, not like force him to force him to live. I feel I, I, I feel he's going to sue us. He's going to sue us for therapy. <laughs> yeah. okay. um, for sure. after this. No, actually, just, this is my therapy working.
3: Maybe we oh, need oh, to we reverse yeah, the roles. Yeah. <laughs> 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 roles, right? I mean, we tell him our horror stories, and he tells us how he would have solved it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Okay. Well, hey, did
2: you know the beer listening it listened to, is listening to our podcast? Really? Right. Yeah, he is. Really? He put it on pause. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I if oh my got gosh! Oh, he saw awesome. us on wow. TikTok. With
1: that note, let's With go ahead note. and close this. I'm Hank. I'm Wesley. I'm Allie.
2: And I'm Patrick. Thank you for joining us this week. Until next time, keep exploring, keep learning, keep your passion for management ignited. Stay curious, stay inspired, and join us again next week as we help you make management make sense. Thank mm-hmm. you.